0: basic First Amendment privileges because they have committed themselves to that over that. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly, somewhere I read of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read of the freedom of press, somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest for rights. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, we continue our series, Wrongful Convictions Out of Control Here in America. Why is it that it goes ignored? Why is very little media attention brought to it? And the simple question, does anybody care? We deal with that part two, Wrongful Convictions Out of Control. This is AJC Radio. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamar Banks along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Stepson Riddle, William Williams, Clinton Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and the entire AJC radio team tonight as we again continue our series on wrongful convictions and really the blatant acts that go into someone being wrongfully convicted. And uh, the question, as we discussed last week, uh, regarding uh, some of the actions taken by prosecutors, things that are done by judges, and again, not, let me make this clear, not all judges, not all prosecutors uh, are are in it for some type of ill will, if you will, but there are plenty of prosecutors that in the moment and knowing that someone is innocent, having full knowledge that someone is innocent, uh, they simply do not care and do nothing to, uh, uh, you know, at least resolve the issues uh, of wrongful convictions. Samson, your thoughts on this one
2: as we get ready for this? Well, I mean, the the fact that there are there's such an alarming rate of wrongful convictions and and this like literally millennia of years lost by people that have been wrongfully convicted over the years. I mean, I was just looking at the statistics just since 1989. Okay. Let's not go all the way back, you know, but let's just look at the last, you know, 30, 40, you know, years. There's only been 3000 exonerations and we're talking about 25,000 years. They've totaled just, just as a ballpark of, people's families that have been lost you know 25,000 years among a populace you know like that it, it's absolutely astounding that you know that that much time has been lost because of a crooked criminal justice system you know like you said we're not all you know we're not saying that all judges all prosecutors they're not all out there for the kill some of them are actually out there to do their job and seek justice but the fact of the matter is, is because we have our fellow citizens that have lost that much time over a short amount of decades it's absolutely ridiculous like we said last week, better, you know, that however many thousand guilty men go free than one innocent man spend a day behind bars. The fact that, you know, wrong con- convictions still happen today with the amount of technology and scientific evidence and forensic uh, investigative uh, tools that we have, is it, that they're out there. The fact that wrongful con- convictions still happen, I mean, it's a complete atrocity and it's a miscarriage of justice.
1: Well, we're going to share a story here on the other side of the break here about a Philadelphia man by the name of Rasheen Crossland uh, and Curtis Crossland celebrate with family after Elder Crossland's release from prison after more than 30 years. And here's the kicker he was freed by evidence that was on file
2: for more than 30 years. How is that possible? So, you're talking about a, a group that is not doing their due diligence, they're not doing their job and they're not running it to ground, it's, oh, we've got the evidence, we're just going to let we're it sit We're just going to let him sit in prison, exactly. or CNN
1: reported that story. Uh, we're going to get into that on the other side of the break. Uh, and some other issues, we're going to be dealing with the R.P. 5, that wrongful conviction. Uh, we're also going to be joined uh, as well uh, by Clyde Beasley. As you know, he was, he was our gentleman uh, guest for last week, but we were so taken with the story uh, regarding the young man uh, that uh, got convicted, who we highlighted last week. Uh, Brendan, and we're going to deal with that. Uh, he's coming on with his with his team uh, to talk about wrongful convictions. He was very intrigued by the story and yielded for us to tell to finish that show last week. Uh, and we t- we told him we would love to have him back this week. We're going to be dealing with him tonight as well. Whole line of issues, folks, that we got to deal with wrongful convictions, a very nonchalant attitude in our society with those that have been wrongfully convicted. And that's because the, the most people do not have a clue of the nightmare of a wrongful conviction. But we're going to hear about it, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to have this conversation. This is AJC Radio. Feel free to dial in, folks, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, as we get ready to deal with this show. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio.
3: There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world's complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, In nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system.
1: Thank you. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. ...against wrongful convictions, call or just calls today, one 529 4252 We seek justice for the children as they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice... Could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are
4: our future. I wanted to be in the military since I was a, since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force.
5: I served a total of sixteen years.
4: I was deployed uh, thirteen times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle, and at nineteen years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die.
5: Coming back, I
4: was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless.
5: I guess I never recognized it in myself.
4: Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody.
1: Don't suffer alone. You gotta find that link with
6: somebody. that will make you let it go.
4: It all starts with going to the VA There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back,
7: so you owe it to them to live well. Because they're not here with their families.
1: History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at (laughs) AskGreenNo.com.
3: I can't sit here. Don't add her to the chain. It was just a joke. We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started it's it. so gross. Lame. Loser. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of. Just as I've been hurt by others. The thing is, this, this is not who I am. And it's definitely not who I want to be. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip. I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone.
8: I don't want to make anyone feel lonely.
3: Left out. Hurt.
9: <laughs> Power to be more
3: we can create a kinder world it's not that hard we just need to stop take a moment
10: and
11: consider others before we speak
3: and before we act be more be more be more
12: we know you care now is time Time to change the
13: face of justice. Did you
8: know that minority and youth participation in juries is
3: extremely low to non-existent? The incidents of youth
5: and minority offenders
3: facing trials have exploded. <laughs> youth and minorities are not being represented
11: as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials.
5: If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote and it allows you to become eligible for jury service.
9: About
7: it. I've got to
9: go home. Oh come on, Carrie. you are going go to a new place. <laughs>
7: she wants to
9: go home, right? <laughs> 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 you okay to drive? I'm oh, yeah. fine.
7: Sure. Relax. What's a few beers? If you don't stop
16: your friend from drinking and driving, <laughs> you're as good as dead. Drinking and driving can kill a friendship.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we have, again, continuing our series on wrongful convictions here in the United States, uh, really out of control, a nonchalant attitude, as we said prior to the break. And why is that? Why is it a nonchalant attitude to lock innocent people up in prison with evidence, clear evidence that would simply have shown uh, that the people that they locked up were not guilty. We we're talking about a Philadelphia man convicted of murder is free by evidence that was on file uh, for more than 30 years. Let's see an story back on July 31st. And a Philadelphia man was wrongfully convicted of murder is finally free after spending more than three decades behind bars. Uh, Curtis Crossland states, I feel exceedingly joyful, happy, that finally, you know, after 30 or more years, after constantly knocking on the door for somebody to please hear me, the day finally came. 60-year-old Curtis Crossland told CNN, he has now returned home to his five children, fiance and 32 grandchildren. It's a great feeling to still be dad, to be wanted and desired in open arms to receive you. That's been the greatest part of being exonerated, that I came home to a loving family that wants and needs me, said Crossland. Crossland's conviction, based on testimony from two witnesses who later
10: recanted
1: statements that they had made implicating him in the case, was overturned in June. His exoneration came after months of work by the Philadelphia Conviction Integrity Unit established in 2018 by the Office of Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Kressner. The unit was set up to investigate claims of innocence and wrongful convictions. Crossland is the 22nd exoneration in which the unit has been involved, according to a news release from the CIU. Crossland was found guilty in 1991 of second-degree murder, robbery, and possessing an instrument of crime in the 1984 killing of a Philadelphia store owner. Documents that could have helped acquit or exonerate him were in files at the Philadelphia Police Department and the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office from the beginning of the case. According to the lawsuit, the documents contained troubling information regarding the credibility of two key witnesses, as well as police records, which pointed to another suspect, the lawsuit states. But the information was suppressed, and there was no other evidence that connected Crossland to the crime, the CIA unit said in a news release. How do you know how sick that is? The district attorneys who prosecuted this case had the information in their office at the beginning of the case, the police department had the files at the beginning of the case, they should be arrested and charged.
14: For 30 years.
1: Period. David, your thoughts?
15: Well, it's just, uh, there's an issue with uh, the criminal justice system. Uh, I remember when uh, Senator, Republican Senator Ted Stevens was uh, wrongly convicted, um, and then uh, a federal judge forced the Department of Justice to uh, to produce, uh, FBI whistleblower actually brought out the information of what they had actually done, and it was widespread, deep corruption to ensure that the senator uh, got convicted. And they, full, with full knowledge, that they suppressed and withheld evidence that proved his innocence. There's a deep problem with uh, the criminal justice system. It's steeped in ego. It's steeped in hubris. Uh, with a lot of these prosecutors, they don't. They never want to. Many of these prosecutors uh, and police agents, whatever you want to call them, never wanted wanted to be said that they did something wrong. They they almost have this. Uh, they want this air of invincibility that they always get their man and they tout 98, 99% conviction rates and stuff like that. There's a serious problem with uh, the criminal justice system as a whole that is, is, uh, is just somewhat sickening. At the end of the investigation in the Ted Stevens case, uh the judge ordered a thorough investigation an independent prosecutor to investigate he came up with the fact that all the that the prosecutors at the doj had a win at any cost attitude and i think that some of that is pervasive throughout in many of these cases they've come up with a theory they're going down to try to prove the theory and then some somewhere in there they find out well it looks like this guy may not have done this but they don't want to let it go Uh, for their reputation. They would, in many cases, I'm going to let this guy go ahead to prison so we can say we got the man and we look good publicly while some guy rots in prison for a crime he didn't commit. There's some very serious issues institutionally uh, with the criminal justice system and prosecutors uh, that, that will win at any cost.
1: It is absolutely, you know what, you think you can't, you've heard it all. You think you've heard enough. And to come across this story about this guy, 30 years? And it's not like someone came forward after 15 years. This was known to the prosecution as the case started. They knew it and proceeded to trial anyway, not offering information because it's not about justice. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with catching the right guy. So the people, you're so bent on not looking like you made a mistake that you let the guilty go free, and you you lock up the innocent. So what? how many other crimes have been committed by those guys who really did the crime that you simply let go in order to save face? That is disgusting. At its highest level. Go ahead, Dave.
6: And when you look at this, this only came to light because of insiders. The Conviction Integrity Unit Mm -hmm. is an inside group. If they weren't looking into this, this never would have come to light, and he probably would have died in prison. This is inconscionable. When you looked just um, last year, the Washington Post did a report that said more than half of all wrongful convictions are caused by government misconduct. Well, if that many wrongful convictions wow. are being covered, being caused by wrong, government misconduct, where is the penalty against these government officials?
1: That's right. That's right. And if it, look, there are no penalties. There misconduct. are no penalties. That's the problem. We said all the time on this show there's no accountability nothing to say we're going to hold you accountable prosecutor and our hats off to the uh the, is it the CIU yes the uh, uh the integrity unit organization out of Philadelphia that said we're not going to stop till we find answers and that's why uh Mr. Carlson said look I knocked on the doors somebody finally said let's help this guy but the price involved here 30 years Someone has to be held accountable for that. Go ahead, William.
10: You know, and as we're we're get leading into the story, what you think about real quick is a topic that we're hearing in discuss in the news right now, which is weaponizing the DOJ. You know, when you, when you take an organization that has the reach of our judicial system and you allow them to be weaponized, that's absolutely insane to think about, and that's what you're seeing. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about systems that are turning against people, and they can't, they can't do anything about it. They, I mean, they're saying, hey, I'm here, I'm free. They bury information. They bury evidence. They lead – I mean, we, we've, we've talked about how the prosecution and the judge work together to lead cases in the directions that they – to the outcome that they want. This is weaponizing the, ju- the judicial system. It has become a weapon. And they choose to turn on whoever they want to. In the case with Ted Stevens, you think about that. He was found he was found guilty, and then I think it says eight days later, he's uh, he was uh, he lost his seat, his Senate seat in Alaska, and then I think subsequently he he died in a in a, in a plane crash. I think that's correct.
15: Shortly after sure. the exoneration, yeah, that's sure. the sad part. You it just I guess that just raises suspicions as well.
10: Yeah, exactly. But, but you you think about that. I mean, this is it's a repeat. It's a wash, rinse, repeat. It's thing we see it. We're hearing it. When you're talking about somebody that spent 30 years, and evidence was sitting in, it was sitting in, in the in the uh, in the prosecution's office. It was sitting in the case information, and they buried it. And so what you're what you're really talking about is this is a system that is unchecked and has become a weapon that they choose to turn on anybody, and they and they were actually are running lawless and decide to choose. You know, what laws they want to convict, who they want to convict, uh, you know, different cases. We just talked about in, in a couple shows a couple weeks ago about Brock Turner, who was the Stanford kid versus Brian, Bank. Brian Banks. Brian was was um, was falsely accused. He did six years. Brock Turner, I think he was convicted six months probation, only served three. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, you're talking about rape cases. One was one was wrongfully convicted, falsely accused, but what? the system turns on. Them. Look,
1: there are a lot of people. Uh, we uh, there are a lot of people that are wrongfully convicted that are sent in prisons right now. Diary five we talked about last week. Eight years. Eight years. Eight birthdays. Eight Christmases. Eight family members' birthdays, holidays, God forbid deaths, that happened in that time with no regard for what does mental, emotional, physical trauma that comes out of a wrongful conviction. Because you can't get it back. And like I said, we live that. We
15: watch... Prosecutors and judges turn their back on blat- and actually violate the law uh, to get us convicted. It's it, it's something I, I said uh, like I've said before. If you haven't been a criminal defendant in this system, you know nothing about the system. You're just talking off the top of your head. Only in my view, criminal defendants and in some cases defense attorneys really understand what the criminal justice system is about. Uh, our our uh, one. Uh, defense attorney, uh, that, that represents, uh, our family and certain issues. He's, he's a complete cynic. He's seen it all within the criminal justice system. It is not. Another judge, uh, told a uh, uh, guy, I know that he was going to go to law school. He said, don't go to law school. The practice of law is disgusting. Well, that's, th- that's what we're dealing with here. We sit there and watch prosecutors and judges with full knowledge that you didn't commit a crime uh, abuse their power and railroad you right into prison, and then they use the jury as their so-called scapegoat. Well, we didn't do anything. The jury found it after they did all the crooked stuff to get us in prison. It, it, it's just... But this stuff happens, and if you haven't been through it... So I listen to Americans on the radio on TV talk about the criminal justice system. You know nothing about the criminal justice system. I hear prosecutors talk about it. They know nothing about the criminal justice system. They have a one-sided view. They haven't been a criminal defendant. And they know exactly some of, some of the uh just horrible tactics and deceitful tactics they use to get people put in prison we have an ends justifies the means system of justice in many cases and none of that stuff and the, and the media again they don't ask any questions about how this happened but they're all over trump the media for much is, is is big on politics they're all over trump they're all over biden they're back and forth the political stories—the only stories that really matter—unless it's uh, something like George Floyd, they're so selective in, in their empathy and sympathy and what they—and what, the stories of injustice that they want to cover. And normally, it benefits one political party or another. Uh, all of these people are culpable uh, as far as the criminal justice system, the media more so by not even being an adequate check. To, to, to the government on these types of issues and not asking enough questions and hard questions and digging into these things in much more detail.
1: Well, in this particular case um, with Mister with Mister Crossland, it was that way from the beginning. You that which means you with the intent to withhold information that would have showed Mister Crossland innocent. You made a choice. The Philadelphia Police Department. It's in their files. The district attorney's office. It's in their files when the case began. But this is just another person we can lock up. Just lock them up. That's what they do. And if you come from poor areas, low income areas, well, just grab somebody off the street corner, man, charge him with a crime. They don't really matter anyway.
14: They don't matter. And then there's states that
1: they're not even compensated. So they actually are wrongfully convicted. And if they go after the state to try to, you know, get some type of compensation, there is none. But that's the way it's designed to be. That's the way it's designed to be. One core one issue... When I was wrongfully convicted in this state, state of Colorado, and I'll never forget this. I tell the story all the time. I stepped in, sat at the defense table. We was pooling the jury uh, together, 60 people standing in this courtroom. My attorney just asked a question to all 60. You're not going to get all 60, but let's just get a feel of what Mr. Banks is facing How many people believe that because Mr. Banks is at the defense table, he's guilty? Every hand. Every hand was raised in that courtroom. And my attorney said to them, how would you feel if you was Mr. Banks right now? And he's got to be guilty of something if he is at the defense table. Now. I wasn't guilty, I was wrongfully convicted, my case was overturned by the Court of Appeals, but not before I set seven years, seven years. I wonder if the jury pool would change this story now. That's the question, but that is because, and the judge makes this clear, when he's given jury instruction, when we're selecting the jury, understand Mr. Banks is guilty of nothing, but he says this, because of the prestige of the district attorney's office, it's leaned towards the the prosecution, but we ask you to weigh the evidence. If you give the language, the prestige of of the prosecution, their office that comes with that, the district attorney is allowed to have a final say. At trial, they close last. Did you know that? They close last. Because I can leave something in the head of that juror that will convict this man. They also put on the case first. That's to get in the mind of a juror.
15: And also, one other quick note the juries uh, in federal courtrooms are always on the prosecution side of the courtroom. Always. Behind them? Right. Yeah, it's so always us against, against them. them. They right. sit on the prosecution side, side while the defense is over there isolated. I don't believe that some wow. of this stuff is psychological. It's, it's, like
1: it's not by accident because it weighs in the. Because the prosecution gives the impression to the jury. All in this, I'm here to protect
10: you. Well, that's home field advantage, right? Those stands, are, you know, when you play in your home field, it's a, it's a little bit different. And that's what it looks like. That's really what it looks like. When you're sitting there in there, everybody's on their side. We're going to get into more of this conversation. We've got some clips we're going to play, but I want to
1: bring our guest on. Uh, we are honored to have Clyde Beasley, uh, founder and director of the Prison Reform Project, and jobs for ex-felons. Uh, was so gracious last week uh, to yield his time uh, to our, our very special guest uh, who was here last week, uh, Tracy Keogh, uh in regards to uh, the Brendan Dassey, uh situation, which is horrific at best. But right now it's my, my privilege to introduce Clyde Beasley. Uh, Mr. Beasley, you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much, Mr. Beasley. Mm-hmm. We got to talk briefly last week. Um, and we're glad you're back with us tonight, hopefully to chime in on this conversation. I have no doubt you'll bring some perspective uh, to this conversation. I will, I'll give you the floor to introduce yourself to our listeners, uh, and let's get ready to have some dialogue going on. Go ahead, sir.
17: Yes, my name is Clyde Beasley. I'm the founder and director of Prison Reform. And uh, just five months ago, uh, in the last six years, up until five months ago, I was in prison with 25 years of life for being wrongfully convicted. So since in the last five months, I have started prison reform. My platform is to bring awareness to make sure and do my best that what happened to me can uh, not happen to those who probably already waiting in trials and those who already sit behind walls who always said they was wrongfully in jail. And I'm here to dig in the crates and do the best I can to bring bring them people to
1: light. Good deal. And uh, Mr. Beasley, I don't know if you've heard of the story of the guy out of Philadelphia, um, uh, Curtis Crossland, uh, the gentleman that said 30 years, he was just uh, – CNN did a report on it. And he was just released from prison after learning that evidence that would have avoided him from going to prison set in the police department's files as well as the district attorney's files idly. Why they sent this man to prison for thirty years? Your thoughts on that? Yes,
17: I know about that. My thoughts on that is this is the way it worked, and this is the reason why it happened. And I give you a quick example. Mm-hmm. The the brother that had the seven trials. If you guys remember the brother mm-hmm. that brother, he worked at the uh, furniture store, and i mean, this is a this is almost the exact same thing that I'm about to explain.
13: Okay.
17: This man was sitting on death row, had seven trials. Last week on the evening news, they oh, went and spoke to the DA, who's still a DA, and this man said this man was still guilty. But he's out of jail now and he just cut the ankle bracelet off. So there's a there's a, there's a there's a one, two, three how this all starts when you were in jail and got arrested when you get when you get arrested and you know you're innocent. And it all starts from the arresting officers. Now, keep up with me, and this how this works, okay? Number right. one, you got the arresting officers. They got to write a police report. When they write the police report, they got to go to a DA. And then that DA accepts the police report. And then it got to go to the DA boss, the supervisor. He or she got to take that to the judge. And once the judge accepts it from the boss DA, because the boss DA say this, this is the case, that's when one month after another month after another month, then come the trial, and then you're convicted. And so in order to keep all that together, that DA and then detectives got to stay hand in glove. They got to marry each other. because they got, see, they, they, when you go to trial, they never want the truth. They want the conviction. And that's what Clyde Beasley went through. I didn't rest. I didn't rest. I didn't rest. And when I got that appeal, I defended my own self. 25 years of life. And I'm out of jail speaking to you guys right now. And I said, I'm going to do everything in my power to dig in the crates for those who was in my position and about to go through my position. And as far as the brother in Philadelphia, man, I... I know about that story, man, and and we got another brother that has been in jail for forty four years for for not over nine dollars.
1: Explain $9. that story to us. Tell us about that, Mister Beasley. This,
17: this brother, uh, I think it was, I think it was in the seventies, the early seventies, something like that, late seventies. He's he's supposed to win and uh, stole nine dollars. This brother's been in jail forty years. Can't speak on it too much because right now they going through some uh motions and hopefully mm-hmm. you'll be able to look on my website and, uh, and real soon and see that this brother's out of jail. Nine dollars. So nine dollars. See that's that and is go ahead. Now listen to this. You got a lot of crimes that don't fit the time. Right, and out here in California, they started a a a bill called senate bill fourteen thirty seven and I'm glad your 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 radio station is nationwide because this bill fourteen thirty seven if me and you was at a liquor store and I just happened to punch somebody in the head, your mind didn't act with my mind to punch this person in the head, so that person should be not charged with assault or or a stabbing and and senate bill 1437 i will hope all of the uh the, the parents and the mothers and the daughters and the family members can look up senate bill 1437 for your loved ones that just just at the wrong place at the wrong time or might just been hanging around the wrong person but getting back to your topic on the on the wrong for convicted Mm-hmm. I was listening to you guys earlier, and uh, it was one one of one of your guests or, or one of your callers. He said something that that just hit hit home. And the part is, when the DAs conjure, and it, and the DA get the last argument, and that's why the lawyers, the defense lawyers, will always say to the jurors, "I don't get the last say." And you sit there in that chair squirming that that your lawyer can't say nothing. And it don't even have to be the truth. They sneak it in anyway. Jury come back guilty. Do you know how many brothers and sisters in jail for like that?
13: The DAs
17: get that last, they get that last say. And that's something I wish we could change. Even if we have to flip a coin, if there's something i wish we can change. Yes.
14: Absolutely right. It, absolutely right. It's sad, man.
1: Because the first statement It's sad. No, absolutely. The first statement is the first impressions matter most. So the prosecution yes. gets up and i didn't know this when i went through my wrongful conviction trial. Man, you're sitting in that seat thinking, man, i'm going to jail. That's what you think. Yeah. But you haven't put the defense on yet. The defense hasn't gone on yet, but I'm telling you, it's like you put water on something. It's watered down by the time the defense stands up because what's in the mind of the juror is what was left, uh, what was first put there. like, oh, my goodness, this is what happened. This is their theory of the case, and that's very true. And as David alluded to, this isn't accidental. This isn't set up all by chance.
0: This isn't by chance,
1: and you have, as, as David said, the jury sits on the side of the prosecution, or the government of the United of the United States, who who uh, is bringing the case. It's like they're one, so they're closer to that prosecutor. They intimately, during the course of a trial, they feel close because they are.
15: But remember, uh, Lamont, you said that. Prior to the trial starting, everybody thought because you were sitting in the defense seat, you were guilty. Mm-hmm. I already had done something wrong. And the innocent until proven guilty, that's a complete <laughs> joke in this country, especially if you're a black man sitting on that side that's of right. the table. No, without question.
1: Well, Go ahead, Mr. Beasley. And,
17: and, I may, and, may I, and may I add that what we never recognize, what we never, ever, recognize is when the d.a. brings that cop on the stand to testify the d.a. looks the cop in the eye asks the question turns and looks at the jurors to answer the question as if this is such the truth (laughs) we don't never realize that and when it comes down to the defense asking the cop something he don't have to look at the dead. He looks back at the defense, smack dead in the eyes, to let him know I don't care what you're talking about. So when we, as on the defense side, while we sitting in jail for all these people that sitting in jail for these corrupted trials, these all everybody rights have been violated. All their constitution, all their constitutional rights have been violated. The problem we having is when you go to a trial. What happens if you lose your trial, that state gives you a servant a, a retired lawyer who takes up appeals okay mm-hmm. and what happens when that appeal get denied on the first on your first appellate, on your first appeal that's when all the like like one of you guys say it six, seven years. That's when all the years start rolling because if you don't if you don't make it out that first appeal, then you got motion after, motion after motion after motion after motion and year after year until it gets to the higher court, and that's when you got to hope that the higher court they give me some action.
14: Right. It's no, so
17: it, it, it,
1: many people.
17: It's so many people sitting in jail right now, man, with their constitutional rights violated right now.
1: No,
15: without question.
1: And the numbers are higher than people could ever know. We're going to take a quick break, Mr. Beasley. We're going to come back, continue this conversation. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is a real problem. As David said earlier, until you live in justice, until a family member is locked up behind these walls, you don't know what you're talking about. We lived it, Mr. Beasley lived it, the RP5 lived it, gentlemen gentleman in Philadelphia, Mr. Crossland lived it. This is not a fairy tale or some type of production. This is real life people that are suffering at the hand of a criminal justice system that has fallen off the rails. We're going to deal with it on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
12: Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many, wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in the Kansas prison for murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything his family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they've suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to InnocenceProject.org to find out how you can help.
5: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? Or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to 1 out of 17. Now, here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are 1 out of 3. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear there is racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are Black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet Blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes? 46% are Black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more Black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime.
18: When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums... How do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're gonna see you naked anyway. Do board chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions.
9: Ask
5: one more, you might just save a lot. Because I'm
3: sixteen, I can't drive at night. Because I'm sixteen. I can't work past 10 o'clock on a school night. Because I'm 16, I can't get a cell phone contract without my parents. Because I'm 16, I can't get a flu shot without my mother's consent. At 16, I'm not old enough to watch an all-rated movie alone.
5: Because I'm 16, I can't buy a lottery ticket. I can't vote.
3: I can't drink.
5: I can't smoke.
3: I can't join the military. Because I'm 16, I can't sit on a jury, but I can be tried as an adult. I can get a lifetime criminal record. If I get arrested, my parents don't have to be notified. Because I'm 16, my mother had to sign this consent form so that I can participate in this video. But I can go to an adult prison. But I can go to Rikers Island. But I can be sent to Attica.
8: My name is Michael Coriero. I was a judge for 28 years in the criminal courts of the state of New York. New York is one of only two states in the entire nation that it automatically tries children as young as 16 as adults. We need to change that.
3: Last week, my father sent me to my room.
8: Next week, a judge could sentence me to an adult prison. We need to judge children as children. It's time to raise the age of criminal responsibility in New York. Sergeant Michelle Garcia served meritoriously in Iraq and has the medals to prove it. Soon after leaving the Navy, Lieutenant Chris Scott found a job, a home, and started a family of his own. Foreman Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to good use as a paramedic. But soon after leaving the military, each of these veterans fell on hard times and faced homelessness. Even after Michelle lost all her savings. Even after Chris wasn't able to pay his mortgage. And even after Richard battled alcoholism for years. They each reached out for help when they needed it most. A simple phone call put them in touch with a trained professional from the Department of Veterans Affairs. That call got Michelle a place to stay until she could afford one of her own, put Chris in touch with employment assistance, and found Richard a substance abuse program. These veterans are success stories not only for how they were able to help others while serving their country, but for how they were able to let others help them. If you know of or are a veteran in need, make the call.
1: back ladies and gentlemen to ajc radio tonight as we have continued our series of wrongful convictions out of control in america uh and why is that why is there not enough outrage because what it is is a slow death to those that are victims who fall victim to a criminal justice system that locks men away women away uh without cause, uh with clear evidence many times uh, that would exonerate and, and, and get these folks out of prison. But the system, of, unfortunately, the culture has has taken a different turn. And that turn is to lock up as many folks as we can, uh, namely men of color. Uh, and we have mass incarceration because of that. Uh, we have mass incarceration because of the conduct and the misconduct. Dave, I think you had a stat earlier uh, regarding it was it 50% of wrongful convictions was based upon misconduct.
6: 50% of wrongful convictions are based off of misconduct. And then the other stat I just read was 50% of black, uh, defendants are more likely to be convicted wrongfully. And if, if someone is more likely to be convicted, we have a problem with the system.
1: There exactly. should be no more likely, uh, based upon the truth. Based upon seeking for justice uh and, and doing the right thing. That's a that's a big deal. Uh we are joined tonight by Clyde Beasley. He's founder and director of the of the prison reform project and job for felons. Uh giving some clear perspective to this conversation, his own injustice he suffered, uh, but he fought his way out of there and now has become a true advocate, if you will, to try to get in the trenches, if you will, and bring as many people out of those situations that he can. Mr. Beasley, you still with us? Yes, I am. And thank you so much for joining us and, and coming back with us. Uh, one of our co-hosts had a question for you, Mr. Beasley. Go ahead, Demetrius. Mr. Yeah. Beasley,
14: just want to first off, uh, appreciate your work. Uh, it definitely needs to be done. And um, you had mentioned earlier with the prosecution having the last say, what in in your mind, we've walked it ourselves of being wrong, wrongfully convicted as well. What in your mind, Uh, Are two or three more things that needs to uh, would you like to see change in regards to the prosecution and the defense and putting you know defense trying to put on their case what uh, would you expound on that
17: I would like I, I would I would love to see a sitting judge tell the DA would you mind if you can be interrupted if we if if, if the defense calls uh, objection, which they do sometimes. But the judge says, but the judge says this is closing arguments. It's not evidence, <laughs> and that's what hurts. When after you had a long trial, the DA says something in the last closing arguments, and DA and, the, and your lawyer, the uh, defense says, you know, you're on objection. The judge says, nope, this this is not evidence. It's not evidence, And you set the escrowing. I would love for a judge to say to the uh, to the D.A., you just said something that I'm going to give Mr. Peters a uh, a chance to uh, respond to that or, 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 or clear that up. That's what I would love to see happen.
1: Yeah, Because there are things that are prejudicial uh, in closing uh, that can yeah. be very damaging as. Uh, I don't know why there's not things, for the most part, if something is exceptional that needs to be objected to, and I agree with you, Mr. Bees, There should be a, a step, but I believe it's at the judge's discretion uh, to do what he wants in his courtroom during closing, I would think. That's at the discretion of the judge. The judge says, look, that's out of bounds. You're, you're doing too much. I've, I've seen that here and there. Uh, most of them on law and order. So in real life, I'm not sure uh, if that's something that works out that way. But I would believe it would be the judge's discretion.
17: Well, I like the way way you put that real quick. Well, actually, let me tell you this. A judge do not, and let me repeat, do not want a mistrial. Mm -hmm. A A judge supposed to be the referee, objections, overruled, and so forth and so on. So you got to understand that if that judge uh, at that particular point in time in the heat of the moment of trial uh, rules that something and the DA closes an and they call a sidebar, that that, that defense is going to jump on that and say, Your Honor, uh, we might as well follow through on a mistrial. But that's
1: not going to happen. It's well, not going to and- happen. And- and to one point, Mr. Beasley, I do know, and the reason I ask that the judge may have discretion is because the judge has the power. Uh, he's referee, oh, yeah. but a, a referee in a situation can throw a penalty flag. So say you have a judge that says who has the right, which this is real life here, to set aside the verdict of a jury and say in the interest of justice, I've been here for this whole thing. That guilty verdict should, have, should not have come back. Now, politically speaking, it's not popular to do. But does the judge have the power to do that? He absolutely does.
15: But, David, yeah, but in many cases, what judges do, they'll give a curative instruction mm-hmm. and tell the jury to ignore something. That's like you can't just put that back out of, separate that into a separate intellectual box or something like that and say, well, I'm just going to forget about that. And I'm going to file it away on what was said. But then when you get to the appeal side, uh, in many cases, uh, the appellate court will say that they look to try to look at things in totality of the evidence. Well, it, it's always some sort of harmless, harmless error. Harmless error. It wouldn't have really affected the outcome of the verdict. And they're looking at a cold printed record making these types uh, of, of decisions. So um, it, for what it's worth, even if the judge tried it because it's going to go up to a court of appeals. Mm-hmm. Then what happened? Then the appellate court gets it and says, well, maybe the judge shouldn't have did that, or uh, <laughs> he should have just gave a curative instruction, and, and the jury as, uh, and we'll talk about that uh, later, they're assumed it's, it's based on a complete assumption to follow the rules, to say something is evidence when it's not evidence, but we never really have no way to measure the effectiveness of the jury system,
1: period. Well, to Mr. Beasley's point, and I think that was his point—that if the judge does something like this, uh, he does have an a issue. Nobody wants a trial; uh, rev- they don't want a conviction reversed based upon a judge's action. Uh, and I think, Mister Beasley, that was your point—that they're going to rush to that, right?
17: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is inter- I, man. While you guys are talking, I'm, I'm over here squirming, wanting to get in real quick. Let me <laughs> yeah. tell you guys about a, a case law called. People versus Cleveland. Mm -hmm. People versus Cleveland is when you get one juror that says, I don't care what the evidence is, I'm saying they're not guilty, or he or she's not guilty, and that pisses off the judge, and now the defense is saying uh, the the judge want to VR all the jurors. Is he or she still test? I mean, uh, debating? Is they still deliberating? The then the lawyers have got to file a motion your honor. If the person is saying not guilty, they're not guilty. And guess what happens? The judge kicks off that jury and put in the alternate. And hours later, you're guilty. Well, guess what? Guess, uh, Mr. Host, that's what happened to Mr. Beasley. The judge kicked off a setting juror, and all three lawyers told the court, Your Honor, you know they're coming back. And I was separated from my two co-defendants. Code and I told the judge, don't do this. Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. What they offered me two years. I turned that down because I know I'm innocent. Go to trial, give yes. me 25 to life. Took, it took the through three weeks But listen. When I got senses, I told the judge, "Please don't do this. I'm coming back." And I came back, and here I'm talking to you on your show. And that's, that's what has to be done, man. That all these people that I know, that I met, that was in the county jail to pen, I know. And I, I got to get a little bit sarcastic here, but uh, Miss Miss Kardashian. I give her her respects, her props to individual people that she done got out. But them is the only people that I feel on several of them that her team knew that she can get out. But your show and the way you're doing this, the way this platform is set up, we got to go dig in the crates, man, for the ones who don't have, who, 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 who her team is afraid to touch. Right. I don't care what kind of person they was. He was a badass little boy in the neighborhood. She was a badass little girl. Who cares? If you in jail for something you ain't done, you don't supposed to be there. That's
14: right. Yep. Absolutely
15: and, right.
17: And I'm glad your platform of this show it keeps bringing up wrongfully convicted, wrongfully convicted, and and like and like uh I think it was on a commercial break, and uh, someone on your on your panel there is lots and lots of people, I don't care if they was stealing beer every day, I don't care if they was robbing something every day, if you ain't done the crime, you don't supposed to be doing no time.
1: That's right. That's
17: right. And, 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 and as individuals crying, I was crying. I was crying, and, I, and, I, and I'm so glad that I didn't have to go through the, the 8s and the 20s and the 25s and the 30s and the 40 years of to be heard. No, I'm absolutely just glad right. that God gave me God gave me the opportunity to say, Beasley, your platform is to go and help how I helped you.
1: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely and I, right. And I'm telling
17: you, man, I, I, I'm digging in the crates, and I'm, I'm going to do the best I can, because see, it's not going to start from public people like ourselves. It's going to take these the governors of each state to talk to, to 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 look at these cases because see Kim went into the chambers of the governor and got somebody out of jail. Anybody can get a pardon. So I Absolutely. want to write some grants up to try to get these people in front of the board and get them on the table because it, it, if right is right, wrong is wrong, man. And they and they just they their bodies are just there. That's it. It ain't bodies. The name is just on the little in the computer. That that's their number. That's it. That's it. The bodies are just there.
1: No, absolutely, Kendrick. You had something to add? Yeah, uh, Squeezie. Just
7: first off, thank you for uh, showing your passion for this issue because this is this is a seriously uh, this is an issue that's very serious and to me doesn't get enough attention. I mean, especially even the press shows it. It's just like you know, a hurricane happened. Go on to the next story. It's not it's not something that Mm. they dig into. So, but as Similar to police killings. This is an issue that we've been known for years. I mean, this is not a secret to this country. Do you think, in your view, that, for instance, similar to the George Floyd case, do you think that a George Floyd moment could happen with wrongful convic- convictions? Do you think something like that's even possible
17: in, in, in the state that this country's in? Well, you know, I, 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 as you were talking, I know what you was getting to. And maybe you guys heard about this the other day, last week. Police pulled over a black woman, told her pop her trunk they know he was being recorded. Can you imagine if that could have went a whole nother way? Mm-hmm. All day long, it's happening. It's happening right now. We got people driving places, man. That- it's happening right now, man. That- Oh my goodness, man! If joy, if God done that to George Floyd in public, my goodness, what we don't know what He done in the dark.
14: That's
17: right. That's, That's deep, right. right there, man. That's oh, deep. Without, without that question dude nine. killed that dude in public, man. Can you just imagine? And I don't. It's, you can't. You probably you probably say, "Well, we don't know that." You can't say no. We can't say that about that individual. Straight up. Ain't no getting around, ain't no sympathy for him. That was that was oh. that's that's just straight straight disgusting, man. And answer that question to you be direct, it's happening. It's happening.
1: The gentleman known as the Central Park Five uh a tragedy, these young boys were that's one case the media get a disservice to these men, these young boys, yeah. and, and convicting them. It, it, what you find is the media is quick to highlight crimes that they believe want to be guilty. But if they're innocent, and there's got to be a misconduct issue by officials, we don't want to report that. We don't, we don't put the spotlight on that enough. We'll play a clip, Mr. Beasley, about the Central Park Five. I want to get your thoughts on it right after we play it. Okay. Clip.
5: Thirty years ago, the case of the Central Park Five shook New York City to its core. Today, it stands as a cautionary tale of injustice, as Maurice Dubois explains.
13: From Richardson... 44 years old, Corey Wise, Raymond Santana, Yusuf Salaam, uh, 45 years old, um,
7: Eric McRae. Five men connected in a way few of us could ever imagine. Is there a day or a week or a month that goes by when you don't think about the whole episode that brought you together? It's every day,
13: constantly. Probably my, my second or third thought. Even our conversation is different, it's not normal. Our conversation would be about prison, how we had to survive the prison. You've just met the Central Park 5, a name they came
7: to share 30 years ago, after a young white woman named Trisha Miley went for a jog in New York's Central Park.
14: It was a brutal attack on a
1: 28-year-old woman jogger.
7: She was dragged down the bushes where she was beaten and sexually assaulted. The attack was an outrage. And became a media sensation. Investigators quickly focused on a group of black and Hispanic boys who were in the park that night.
1: Police say the gang of attackers was actually just half of a wolf pack of some 33 kids that
4: committed some seven other muggings earlier that night. We are announcing the arrest of four males, all between 14 and 15 years of age. Let them
7: Let them Eventually, the five teenagers were tried convicted, and imprisoned for the crime they maintained they did not do.
5: All we need is for one
7: to tie this whole thing together. The story of how the boys were charged and years later cleared of that notorious crime is the subject of a new Netflix miniseries by the Oscar-nominated writer-director Ava DuVernay. What was your starting point for this story?
5: My goal was to humanize... Boys and now men who are widely regarded as criminals, and in doing that, to invite the audience to reinterrogate everyone that they define as a criminal.
7: The series is called When They See Us, and Duvernay contends that what is seen all too often in criminal cases is race.
5: I'm asking the question to everyone, what do you see when you see black boys? And that's a painful answer. Because I know what um, what the answer is for many people. It's exactly what these boys were called. packs, we animals, criminals. Um, so much so that they could be tossed aside on a case that was made from a complete lie.
14: Kevin, Antron, and Raymond saw you messing around with the ladies. Who, who said that?
7: In the series, as in life, only two of the five teenagers even knew each other. But during interrogation, they say police coerced them to create stories implicating one another.
0: What are you talking about? The lady in the park!
7: I didn't see a lady or hit anyone.
0: Raymond saw you hit her!
13: It was Raymond?
7: The men who lived through it say the reality was even worse. As
13: soon as we get in, they separate us.
7: And they start working
13: on us. And I'm hearing Corey being physically beaten in the next room. And I'm immediately beyond afraid. At the time, my mom, she suffered from a stroke. She had diabetes and she left. And that was their time to get on me.
1: And what happened? What didn't happen? We're 14, 15, and 16-year-old kids. Never been in trouble with the law. Never had no police contact. These are
13: seasoned veterans. This fight was fixed. I just kept telling the truth at first. They asked to speak to my father. My father left the room with them. Came back in the room. He just changed. Cursing. Yelling at me. And he said, tell these people what they want to hear so you go home. I'm like, dad. But I ain't doing anything. The police yelling at me. The father yelling at me. And I just like, all right. Um, I did it. Mm-hmm. I looked up to my father. He's my hero. Mm-hmm. But he gave up on me. You know, I was telling the truth. He just told me a lie.
7: Did you ever make peace with your father?
13: No. And not want to. Mm. My life is ruined. Why should I? He's a coward. Let me tell you right now for
5: you, okay? This is very, very serious. Mm-hmm. Mm. None of the five
7: ever admitted to committing the rape, but they did confess to being there.
8: You know that other people said that did. I'm done, I'm done.
7: They blamed each other, damning admissions, even in the absence of physical evidence.
1: No blood on their clothing. The semen doesn't match. The DNA tests come back negative. There's nothing that links these boys to the crime.
7: All were found guilty. Four of the five served about seven year sentences as juveniles, refusing early parole because it required admitting guilt. But the oldest of the group, Corey Wise, served time as an adult. In his 13th year in prison, Wise had a chance encounter with another inmate that would change the lives of all the men convicted of the rape.
5: The resolution of this whole tragedy um, came from something that I don't believe has happened since. It's it's a coincidence that borders on miracle.
7: Matthias Reyes spotted Wise in a prison yard.
13: he just talking to me. Why are you
15: still here after all these years?
7: I guess so. They'd met years before, and he began to feel guilty that Wise was still in prison for a crime Reyes had committed.
13: He saw Corey and was like,
7: he's still here? I gotta tell the truth. Reyes confessed that he alone committed the rape, offering details about the crime that only the assailant would know. His DNA was a match, and the men were exonerated. The city of New York eventually agreed to a $41 million settlement, about a million dollars for each year of imprisonment.
1: Did the money make it better? We were able to relocate, put our children in better situations. Besides that, No amount of money could have given us our time back.
7: Is there
13: a life lesson for what you've been through? Truth. I preach to my kids. Just tell the truth. Be true to who you are. Honestly, last time I lied, got me seven and a half years. That's mm-hmm. son, I didn't do.
1: Well, there you have it. Um, Mr. Beasley, I'll give you the floor on that one. Your thoughts.
17: Yes, uh, I took some notes. Yes, I did. And the first one, uh, the brother said that his dad came back in hollering and cussing at him. They brainwashed his dad mm-hmm. to have his dad brainwash them. And then the Miss uh, Dubai, Dubai, how you say her name?
13: Yeah, Dubai uh, was the, it? Uh, the lady, Dubai, mm-hmm. yeah.
17: She she puts it in two words. Complete lie.
9: Mm-hmm.
17: Um, this re, this reminds me of uh, the Rampart scandal in Los Angeles, where they can put you in a cold room and mess your, you know, they, they still do it today. Yeah. And when you get arrested, they put you in a cold room and let you sit there for a couple of hours. And then you walk, then they walk in and you got your arms all tucked in. So, but the, all of them, they was young. And when they got to playing the mind games, where well Roy said this and Jim said that they didn't have no choice, but to fall into the deception of the mind games of what they do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that that that's what the police do, and they they like like at the beginning of the story, what they said they separated them and put them all in, the, in different mm-hmm. rooms, and until they got what they wanted. And Horrible. Seventeen. What they, I mean, and, and one of the guys said, although they got a million dollars for each year, you can't bring back them years.
14: No, you can't.
17: I will. You can't bring them back, but I will beg the differ in this it brought a lot of light to a lot of the other cases, man. There's it, all, they, they was almost the kin that, that got open, that they, because of them, it did, it did create a lot of what your platform is today. And yeah. I agree. And, and, and I like the way, I liked the way he said that they was able to take their monetaries and, and, and do, do well for their families. And the, the good thing is they still got a long way to go in life and, uh, it hurts, man, and uh, it, it, it's, it's being done as we as we speak. But it's more cameras. It's more people that's looking. If you lined up ten cops to say, "I want this conviction. I want to get. I want to take this sucker down," you might get one with just a little slight two percent of heart and say, "I can't let you do it." That's Someone the way. out of all the people who arrested them guys who was working, they got so deep, so deep and to wanting to get them guys that everybody had to shut their damn mouth, The whole damn police station. And if you think about it, what they should do is reopen who was working that day for the whole three, four months uh, that they was there. Mm -hmm. Because somebody shut their mouth. Somebody could have said something and it would have never, ever happened.
1: True. Very, very true. Um, I think what's irritating to me Uh, When this when the Netflix series started, you had uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, who gave these guys a platform for selfish reasons, in my opinion, uh, because it was an opportunist situation. Uh, I did a show. We actually did a show on Oprah Winfrey that she has yet to apologize to the Central Park Five uh, who were innocent. Wouldn't apologize. Well, I'm going to interview you. So that should say enough. Her best buddy, uh, Gail King, uh, yeah. came out after much pressure and said that she gave an apology. But if somebody has to tell you to give an apology, whether it's CBS or whoever, you can keep right. it. At the end of the yeah, day, exactly. these are hmm. social circles. These folks walk in, and she was adamantly against the Central Park Five, against hmm. these, without any evidence to support it. But let's just go with the flow, follow the crooked leader, whoever was leading this lynching of these of these five guys and went right along with it. David, your thoughts on Oprah. Well, it's
15: it's indicative of what you see when you said everybody in the jury raised their hand that you were automatically guilty of something because you were sitting in the defense seat. I think a lot of Americans, like I said, uh, like we said earlier, unless you've been a criminal defendant in the system, you know, you don't have a clue uh, of what actually happens in the system. But everybody uh, they glorify the U.S. justice system as as if it's this uh, godly, altruistic type of uh, system that always uh, is concerned about justice and, and rights and all this other type of stuff. But by and large, Oprah, Gail King are just like the vast majority of the American public who actually think the system functions as advertised mm-hmm. by uh, the mainstream media. It does not function that way. As a matter of fact, it's not even close to what uh, is advertised on television by politicians, uh, the best justice system in the world. They have all these tropes and cliches that they use to describe America, and it's just a bunch of self-righteous babbling.
6: That's all it is. (laughs) That's all it is. Dave, you had something? Yeah, and when you hear what David is saying, you realize that when you start hearing about the wrongful convictions, about what happened during the trial, pre-trial, you're hearing the same things over and over again. So obviously this is going to continue to happen. And my question for Mr. Beasley is when you have the Washington Post saying that 50 percent of these wrongful convictions are happening because of government misconduct, what can be done to help stop this? I, I just can't see anything happening without a complete change to our system. Well, that's
17: – oh, my goodness. that, that I, I have that answer for you real good. Uh, is it's escaping my mind right now, but there are several case laws that that points out that if the DA is in any type of form of misconduct, it, it, it goes on right to this day. When the defense files a motion for misconduct, they 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 say the right case law. They put another case law on another case law, and it's like the case law gets swept up under the bus because if they granted that case law for misconduct uh, uh presenting false evidence, uh misleading the jurors, uh withholding evidence to that question which you just asked, there wouldn't be we wouldn't we wouldn't have this damn show right now, Period. But they get swept up on. It's like the case laws must be enforced. It has to be, and that's what happened to me. And if it happened to me, and I'm out on other uh, case laws, what about the the ones that's in there right now? Is brought up in there, it's brought up in the appellate briefs? Briefs. It was brought up in motions during trial. Sideboard. And, they, and oh, one of you guys said earlier, they 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 look at it as harmless. Mm-hmm. Yep. And them them case laws that they have that that's that's brought that says you cannot mislead the jury. You must respect a fake a false police report. Uh, you must respect. Uh, oh, this is what I do hate. When they when they say, why don't you impeach them? The jurors ain't. The jurors ain't. Cannot just forget a whole testimony of a person that got impeached. Mm-hmm. I think the whole trial should be started over if they're going to impeach somebody. Start over. That's right. <laughs> start over. If you if if the if you if if if, a, if a witness get impeached, start the trial over because the juror is not about to let go of some of all. What they say, disregard what you heard. <laughs> and back to that question again, the 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 case law should be respected if it works. In the, if if it's forty defense judge who's the referee should do all the right things. But like I said from the beginning of the show, it starts with the arresting officer police report. <laughs> that's 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 where it all. Starts from because you would have never got arrested. Got to write the report.
1: That's right, and uh...
17: that's something that's something that that should be looked into from a lot of individuals that's wrongfully convicted.
1: What
10: that police report said at the beginning.
1: William, you had something.
10: Yes, I was just. David, David's comments actually sparked something for me because I remember going back to the show when we had talked about the Central Park Five and we talked about Oprah Winfrey being silent. And so I, I was just curious, you know, when African-Americans have a platform, they have an opportunity to, to speak out against these issues. Why do they not do it? Why, why do they not have the, they have the opportunity, they know this is the issue. And with Oprah Winfrey just remaining silent, Knowing that the Central Park Five was exonerated, you know, you saw, we saw with George Floyd, we started seeing more, you know, they come out because, you know, it's like, isn't this a little late? I mean, Colin Kaepernick took a, took a knee for years, or for what, a year or so before he was finally get, got blackballed from the NFL. But he was bringing light to an issue because he had a, he had a platform. He was kneeling. And now, to this day, we're still facing this. And it's just amazing to me that that African Americans that do have a platform, how they don't use it. They just, you know, to David's point, they just, you know, I don't know, I, you know, they just take the politically what I guess their politically correct way out and just not speak because they, they fear um, retaliation from the black community, and it, and it's it's so it seems so wrong when this issue is so huge. Was not only the
14: the, it's not the fear they they don't want to lose their platform so they're not going to speak out. It take Colin Kaepernick is a hero in our time because once the civil rights leaders of the '60s started getting their heads shot off because they took a stand for rights of black men and women all over this country, that's where Oprah Winfrey of the world won't speak out against it because it's going to hurt her
10: four billion dollar uh uh um net worth that's where the issue is yeah mr Beasley, what what are your thoughts there i mean as you're championing these fights it 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 would be nice i'm just i'm sure you think it'd be nice to say listen you have a platform oprah you have a platform this person get in this fight you see this issue we've seen trayvon Martin. Mm. we've seen you know uh uh Alton Sterling, we've seen Walter Scott, we've seen all this, all this injustice. Why don't you use your voice, you know? And so I just wanted to know your your thoughts about that.
17: Well, well, let me tell you, I, I, I'm actually an inventor. I like to, I'm, a, I'm that naked man on the rock that likes to think. And what happened is when this happened to me, as he said, us black folks should be speaking up. And those who have a voice like, oh my goodness, Oprah Winfrey, she opened her mouth and everybody be out of jail or more if she wanted to. But here's the thing. I asked one of my friends. I said, "Dawg, I think uh, I think I found my calling." Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, "I said, but how am I gonna go about this?" He said, "Clyde, be you, because you got a gift the gab. Number one. He said, two." You done been there, lived it, survived it, had it, lost it. So Clyde, this is your calling. And the go with what the brother just said a minute ago, I have and I will, when when all when I get all my language down packed, trust and believe, I promise you. I'll give you guys my word. I'm I'm going I'm going I'm going 4 speed ahead. We got to talk to the legislation, these governors, these mayors, to enact on these false police reports. It all starts from their investigations. And Man, once miss- we get when we get them police reports out there, and it shows different than what the DA see. Here's what happened real quick: the police reports is not even really included in a trial. It's what the DA got. To, the DA has to fix up that trial on its own outside the police report. And the defense can't even do nothing about it. Because they only put, that's what they, defense. And I don't know how this going to sound, but I was saying, man, if some of these public defenders need to be paid a little bit more money, they might give us brothers some more, a little bit more defense.
1: No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Their funds are dried up as quick as, you know what I mean? They have limited Man. funds, uh, but they could. If they, here's, here's, what's, here's what doesn't make sense, Mr. Beasley. You have the yeah. prosecution that works for the state. They have right. unlimited resources, unlimited. Mm-hmm. You have unlimited. the public defender's office that works for the state that has limited resources. <laughs> And they're over. And they work eight, <laughs> and
17: they work and they and they you know you know what they do? They they, they they get they come to work at eight and they get off at four. That's it. They don't have mm-hmm. to do nothing before the case and
15: after the case.
17: I mean it's after true. the hour before the, when they come they don't have to do nothing before or after their work hours. It's
1: a rigged system. It's That's it's right. a it's a system that I forget, I'm trying to think of the organization it was a movie, but it was a documentary regarding public defenders. Uh, I can't, it it escapes me, but where they did a a huge documentary on the overtaxing of the public defender's office and how they have, their caseload is so enormously huge, but a, a different type of availability for the prosecution. How do we go to the same bank and take our money on <laughs> the same account, and I get $2 while you get 100000 yeah. That's what the Public Defender's Office gets out of the same pot. I
17: I I, I, I got to bring something to light. That I don't know if you guys probably know this, but let me tell you something real quick. When a public defender has been a public defender, right, do you know a public defender, they got what they call a Tier 3 and a Tier 4. A Tier 3, I mean a Tier 4, District Attorney is one that can handle death penalty cases, high profile cases Mm -hmm. where it it might be the death penalty or life without sentences, right? Mm -hmm. So, what happens if you, I have not done the survey on this, I just know and heard about it. And it's a fact that I, from the person I heard from, most DAs study to be, I mean, they come in as a public defender, but while they, public defenders, they want to go get to a tier three, tier four. And guess what they do? They probably defend it to DA. And then when they at that tier three, tier four, now guess what they are? Now they're these high profile defense lawyers. And oh, that's so bad, man. They switch fields because they know the money's on the DA file, like you said a minute ago.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Yep. So they come they in with the intent time. to... Yeah. <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, But it's an unfair advantage. It's it's an unfair advantage is what it is. Uh, And I'm going to tell you something. There's some excellent attorneys at the public defender's office, uh, well qualified in my particular case. Uh, My case was overturned by an appellate public defender uh, in Denver, Colorado, who came to see me. And she said she would do everything she could to get me out because I had no business being in prison. She lived up to her word. Quent, your thoughts right. on Mr. Beasley?
4: Yes, Mr. Beasley, have you seen uh, anything out there? I know California has quite a few of the uh, district attorney offices that have uh, what they call conviction review units or conviction integrity units. Um, are you are you familiar with those?
17: I'm very familiar with it. I, I'm actually in contact with the director and uh, head of that office. I had a I was meeting with her over the phone not even 10 days ago. It's called the conviction review unit.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know if, you know, what law governs that, but the 2300 prosecutor offices nationwide, only 45 of those 2300 actually have a conviction review unit, and these are the units that are responsible for you know, reviewing wrongful convictions, so on and so forth, on on behalf of that uh, jurisdiction. So that's like, you know, less than two percent. But you know, if they oh, if they're leaked, yeah. And and uh, from what I'm looking at here, the uh, uh, there's only four of them that do 85 percent of the work that's being done. And overturning these cases. So you have these universities that are doing the exonerations, the Innocence Project, Exoneration Project are from major universities uh, in their law department, but the conviction uh, integrity units, conviction review units, that's their charter a- a- at the uh, district attorney's office is to uh, is to review these convictions in light of the fact that, you know, uh, the coercing witnesses, presenting false testimonies by prosecutors, so on and so forth—all the yeah. all the transgressions that they do in the in the system—they can't be they can't be uh, charged for any of that. And so the conviction review unit is 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 there to you know discover some of these uh, these things that wrongful convictions and so forth, and investigate them and and, and get people you know out of prison uh, based on based on their findings. Yeah. Um, only thing I had a dispute with uh, with the director
17: about the conviction review unit last week is that there's a lot of negatives to that. That they fund it really well; they got money. The problem is, is that if you if you've been if if you got convicted at trial, they they're supposed to send a, a unit down there to talk to you and hold you in that county jail without sending you to prison until they reveal the transcript. But what they do is let you go to prison, you, you fill out a two-page application, uh, and then when they get around to you, they get around to you. And it, it, it's, it's taking a long time. And I was trying to explain to her that you guys got millions of dollars, and it don't take a rocket science to go over the some of the Motions that be filed by the defense attorneys and say, okay, this is something wrong with this case. But I will admit that she is doing a due diligently job because we got a new DA out in California named, well, in Los, Angeles, Calif- Cal- Los Angeles County called DA Gascon. He is the man that eliminated the enhancements. And he, trust me, man, I. He, I think he walks around with uh, five armored trucks. The sheriffs, the LAPDs, and even his own DAs and all the judges, they hate this man gut. And I would ask all of your listeners to have their lawyers look in to the Los Angeles district attorney uh, 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 attorney. His name is Gascon. This man has let and turned so many lives around through the black and brown community that you probably said, damn, this man is talking about a damn D.A. Man, this man has, he, 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 a lot of brothers and sisters out of jail behind him right this minute because of what he stood for on people being in jail for a little too long. Uh, Had they, he, he has upped up the ante and having a lot of cases investigated so uh going back to the conviction review review unit i think as i was talking to her i put a lot of great things in her head she just couldn't tell me but i'm pretty much sure i i, I hit home on trying to uh ramp up uh on them using some of that monetary to help you get uh some, some of them uh the motions that was filed for their help for people crying for their help
1: absolutely and that's always good that uh uh, that these conversations are being had uh, with the people that have oh, an opportunity to do something. The um, integrity unit is the same unit that Clint references here is how the gentleman, uh, Mr. Crossland, walked out of prison after 30 years. Uh, those <coughs> units are doing some good things, and uh, uh, that was based upon that particular unit that been set up. Mr. Binsley, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back as our time gets up against this clock. Uh, I want to get some closing remarks from you. Thank you, and all of your all of your folks that support you out there. How can people get involved with what you're doing? We're to get into all of that as we get ready to close out of this show. Uh, we'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. Wrongful convictions out of control as the criminal justice system continues to fall off the rails. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio.
16: How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit?
9: Of the remaining
16: 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in the nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media according to the report's authors.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States. I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. And we fight for justice. Again, call or just calls today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today.
11: The United States of America incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In fact, the U.S. hosts more prison inmates than all other developed nations combined. As of 2010, the world population was over 6.8 billion people, with an estimated 9.8 million in jail. This figure, compiled by the International Center for Prison Studies, refers both to individuals held in jail awaiting trial and inmates serving time after sentencing. So there are 9.8 million human beings on planet Earth living inside of cages that we know of. In 2010, the U.S. was home to about 309 million people, 4.5% of the world's total population, but housed 23% of the world's prisoners. So take a moment to think about what this means. It means we imprison more people than enormous autocratic countries like China. We imprison more people than Russia. Compared to the size of our population, our rate of imprisonment dwarfs our closest allies, like the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. As of 2010, there were over 1.6 million post-trial inmates serving sentences in America's state and federal facilities. This number does not include those being detained pre-trial or those on probation. The most unique feature of incarceration in America is the large and active role of our federal government. In most countries, crime is reacted to at the local or regional level, whereas the American government finances and legislates a significant portion of law enforcement at the national level. State governments still do their fair share of incarceration, though. California and Texas incarcerate more than other states, with over 171,000 inmates each. Florida is a close third with over 103,000 prisoners. But no single state locks up more people than the federal government, with over 208,000 inmates. Perhaps the nickname Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, should be updated. Though I suppose you need to be brave to endure the highest likelihood of incarceration the world has ever known. Prisons are not what we think about when we think of America, and they shouldn't have to be. A free nation shouldn't imprison so many people, and a fiscally responsible nation can't afford to. With close to $40 billion a year in state correctional spending, the financial costs are obvious and staggering alone, but the human costs are often underappreciated. 1.6 million fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of American families are incarcerated. It's time for people to realize that the criminal justice system in America is desperately in need of reform.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we have gone down a road that is probably to many uncomfortable because we have this false belief that the criminal justice system here in the United States is above reproach, that we have the best system in the world, is what you'll hear oftentimes, as those that have not been affected directly, as David alluded to earlier, if you have not been a defendant, or an attorney to defend those in this system, uh, you simply do not know the half of what this system has done to a lot of people. We've been joined tonight by uh, Clyde Beasley. He's the founder and director of the Prison Reform Project and Jobs for Ex-Felons, who's given a good perspective and a clear perspective on his position, uh, being one of the victims, if you will, of the criminal justice system, but was able to fight his way out and become an advocate for others, uh, which is an accomplishment all on its own. Mr. Beasley, thanks for coming back with us as we now go, uh, as time goes very quickly, uh, again against the wall, with, uh, against the clock. Uh, I want to get your closing remarks to our listeners, how people can get a hold of you and give you a very, very special thank you been a part of this discussion, and I open the door to you here at AJC Radio to come back uh, as things progress, which that is our hope, uh, to give you a platform to speak to those issues as well. That that door will always be open to you here at AJC Radio. Go ahead and give uh, our listeners some closing thoughts, and and how do we go forward, and how do we get out of this mess we're in? Your thoughts.
17: Well, first off, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to represent who and what I want to do on my platform and prisonreform.com that's my website and I give updates on it every two or three days on highlighting and publicizing through my affiliate blacknews.com to make sure that we publicize the wrongfully convicted also Those of you out there that have family members getting ready to get out of jail, I have another website that's called Jobs for Ex-Felons. And a lot of people say, why do you say ex-Felons? Well, these companies that we advertise on my website is giving opportunities to people that's getting out of jail, and you are a felon when you get out. So we're going to try to delete the word ex and make you into a, a regular Law abiding working person, and that's why the X is there. We're going to eliminate that, okay? And two, okay. I would like to close and just say that I would like I said before, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm reaching out to uh NBA, NFL, soccer, any type of sports, singer, rappers, opera, country, and etc. etc. If if I'm, I'm not if if it, if as they donate for me to help get people out of jail, if your name not on it, if your name not on the list, I'm gonna put you on the list. <laughs> so somehow, some way, I want to be there to help our people that's wrongfully get convicted and get them up out of there.
14: Oh, absolutely and with
17: that, right. That you said, man, I, 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 I thank you, man.
1: Mama's busy. It's been our, it's been our privilege, our honor uh, to have you, have you here. Uh, And what you're doing, uh, we salute you for doing that. Um, uh, I'm going to be in touch with you offline uh, here in the next couple of days, uh, and uh, you'll have all of my information, and we'll work together uh, collectively to get some things done. If you have to get, again, information out, AJC Radio will will commit to doing that, uh, because only together and working together as advocates advocates and organizations come together, that's the only thing that's going to hopefully bring change to this system. Uh, but you have a friend here at AJC Radio and the Just Cause organization. And we mean that. Appreciate you. Okay,
13: and we'll also back. I'd
17: like to say thank, you to, to, to thank you to your panel. Uh, there were some good questions, man. And uh wish we could have had that. wish we could have started off like that. But uh, there were some damn good questions. Well, thank listen,
1: you. we're going to be picking this up, Mr. Beasley, here in another week. We're going to be uh, taking a break from it next week to deal with the insurrection situation uh the police testimony of what happened on that that day but the following week we'll be coming back to the discussion you're welcome to join us i'll have our team reach out to you and make sure if you're available you're more than happy to call in and we can continue that dialogue yes sir okay
17: yes sir thank
1: you all right okay you're welcome enjoy the rest of your evening thank you right. there you have it folks mr Clyde beasley uh founder and director of the prison reform project uh, and jobs for ex-felons seems to really have his heart in the right place. Uh, And there's something about going through this system uh, that triggers passion. Uh, When you've lived in injustice, it is easier to fight against it. Uh, Mr. Beasley definitely brings that to the table. Samson, your thoughts on our guest?
2: No, it was very informative, and does. he brings a very – a prominent opinion and perspective to the whole situation, having been on both sides of the fence, you know, so to speak, of this this issue. Uh, I think it's great that he's getting out there. He's reaching out, not only uh, expending his own resources, but he's reaching out to an entire community of people that have been wrongfully convicted. He's, he's reaching out to those that have a similar mindset and actually want to see true reform uh, in our criminal justice system, see more exonerations happen, and, and less wrong, wrongful convictions. So, I mean, I commend him for coming on here multiple times, again, conceding his time last week, and then preparing, you know, to come with us, uh, not next week, but the week to follow. David, your thoughts on Mr. Beasley?
15: Uh, well, it's uh, its always great to have people on that's actually been through a wrongful conviction. Like I said, we all can identify with them. Uh, we know the we can identify with the flaws uh, of the system. And some of the stuff is intentional, but always so great. That perspective is we need more of those perspectives of people who actually went through this process than a bunch of people sitting at home watching the news, hearing about the justice system, and
14: drinking every drop of Kool-Aid uh, that they that they give them. Absolutely. Dennis, your thoughts? I thought he brought a great perspective. Like you said, he's been there,
1: done that. And if you've been there, done that, you can speak to it. And uh, wrongful convictions, uh, no matter how you look at it, uh, sometimes I think about how many people
14: have actually uh, went to death row and died and were actually innocent. So this, this, I mean, this is truly a good show. Uh, getting it out there, get people involved to say, hey, enough is enough. We really need to start
1: addressing wrongful convictions in this country. Well, in two weeks, we're going to come back to this story. And I think what we're going to do is deal with the death row uh, injustice. The people that have died. Uh, after the fact, when men have pleaded for their lives, telling you, and there were people on death row, there you know what their last words were? Check the DNA. Check the DNA. I did not do this. We're going to deal with that. The death penalty is another level of a wrongful conviction that costs simply too much. Uh, we're going to deal with that in two weeks. Next week, folks, please join us. We're going to do an updated show on the insurrection, January 6th. Uh, And update, give you an update show, really, on what happened, the testimony of those officers, and learned, I think, the other night, David, maybe you can confirm that another officer committed suicide that was part of that situation there. That is correct. Uh, We're going to deal with all of that. I believe it's a total of five, if I'm not mistaken, lives taken as a result of the insurrection that happened. We're going to to also provide to you an exclusive interview we had with Congressman Raskin. Uh, He's going to be speaking to the issue. A very, very passionate man uh, that rose to the occasion uh, in a situation where uh, he was already in grief and facing another loss of another family member had things not turned and those Capitol Police not saved His daughter's life at that point. Uh, A lot to talk about, uh, and we're grateful for that. But that's going to be happening next week, a week following. We're going to deal with wrongful convictions, part three, the series dealing with death row. How is it that we can lock people up and put them in jail or prison, but then we go as far as to put innocent people? How many people have the same evidence that's set in a file as Mr. Crossland had in Philadelphia, but it wasn't prison they were dealing with. They were dealing with death and are no longer here. We're going to deal with all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. Agency Radio continues to search and bring the message of justice all around the world. So next time, take care and good night.